Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. So glad you guys are tuning in. If you guys are just just discovering Demand Gen Radio, be sure to uh, click subscribe so you get all the goodness right there delivered to your mobile phone. I'm once again, joined by our Chief Strategy Officer, Carlos Hidalgo, and we're diving into ABM today. On the last episode, if you haven't listened to it, go back. We talked about uh, 10 key initiatives for demand management as part of our D3 methodology, and we really dove into seven of them, even though we mentioned all 10. But today, we are going to dive, like I said, deep into ABM. So, Carlos, thank you for joining. Always love talking about this stuff. Always good to see you and hear you and be part of this uh, four-year venture we have going. I, it is. It's good. You know, the thing uh, we we just talked about a little bit. Um, quick story for you guys. When we started talking about the D three methodology, feels like about a month ago. And if you guys haven't grabbed my blog post on demandgen.com, I'll put a link to that in the show comments. Go ahead and read that. Um, in about two months, just this past time, as you know, you've worked with a couple companies taking them through deep through the D3 methodology. They took us up on that offer we made to say, hey, listen, reach out to us. Let us take you through the D3 methodology and teach it to you. And we just had two new clients today come aboard who are we are now taking them on the journey, not just inspiring them and showing them the path to success, but working with them to implement these initiatives and methodologies. So kudos to you, Carlos, and our team for um, bringing some new clients to Demand Gen and making some more heroes, which is our mission. That is our mission. I'm excited about it. It, uh, you know, the feedback we're getting, it, it was interesting. I was on a call just before we're, this recording with a potential new client and two of them said, yeah, we're very familiar with D3. We've been following along. It makes sense. And this is why we did it. This is why we put the work and effort into it is for marketers to say, hey, we need something, a methodology, a way to explain to our organization everything this takes and a way to help manage our complexity. And when we see that working for us, that's one of the most rewarding things we could ask for. Love it. Well, thank you for all your help with the team. And uh, it's great to see. For those of you, if D3 is new to you, D3 is the methodology uh, that we, like I said, we put forward this year. It is a holistic model for driving revenue, basically building a perpetual revenue engine. And uh, the word revenue engine really resonates when you look at D3 because the visual for D3 is a planetary gear system. And in that link, again, in the show notes to the blog post I wrote, it really explains um, the strengths and power of a planetary gear system and why it's such a wonderful metaphor for the D3 methodology. Uh, so go take a look at that. And the D3 methodology gets its name from three Ds, demand creation, demand management, and demand expansion. And demand management, which we're, that's what we're circling back into today, is so vital because if you're generating leads at the top of the funnel and, and generating uh, demand, but you're not tightly integrated with sales and develop processes and implement those processes in your methodologies, you're just draining like like a colander. I think that's what they're called, right? When you when you drain spaghetti and all the water pours out, like you are just losing all of this demand, just slipping away. So demand management helps get you there. But ABM, uh, Carlos, can I say something really inappropriate? I mean, my office literally backs up to the head of HR. So 
she's probably listening right now. I have and, to talk quietly. Okay. Um, I think it's kind of a funny story. Maybe you guys won't think so or not. But when I was a little boy growing up in Long Island, I was extremely close with my grandma, Grandma Tilly. And I would stay at grandma's house very often. And my grandma and I, she's an entrepreneur, businesswoman, great mentor. But she would say something to me every day that I was there. And I moved from New York when I was 11. So I don't know when it stopped or if it stopped. But she'd always say, honey, did you do a BM today? <laughs> so I, I've, I've never, ever not heard someone say ABM and not think of Grandma Tilly and probably the most inappropriate thing I've said on the podcast. <laughs> but that's why I don't like the acronym of where my stupid brain goes. But Grandma Tilly, God rest her soul. Uh, we're talking about ABM today. So yes, we are talking about ABM today. Well, I appreciate the fact that you're talking about <laughs> something that's so triggering for you. It's a trigger for sure. Um, so on that note, uh, should people undertake ABM? I, I, for all of you that have been doing demand generation for your career, you've probably done some form of account-based marketing. And by the way, the acronym is really popular and it stands for account-based marketing, as I just said. But if you're someone like Bruce Eidsvik and his team at Genesis, you call it account-based or account-based everything because it's anything far from just about marketing, kind of a misnomer. Uh, so call it what you want. But this is about going to market with a very intentional account-based strategy. It's not spray and pray marketing. It's not about buying ginormous lists and marketing to everyone the same. Uh, and getting the respondents and throwing them over the fence to sales. It's about being very targeted and very intentional. And if you've ever been in sales uh, or work closely with a sales team, you know that most sales teams are intentional. Like the Adobe sales team, they have assigned accounts that they go after in their territory. They, they always show me their Excel spreadsheets at the beginning of the year and say, hey, Dave, these are all the companies that are on my my target list. And, you know, if there's any of them that you know and we can work on together, let me know. So sales has been trained very classically to go after target accounts and marketing's not always taking that approach. So that's the first thing we got to say about ABM is that it's about being very intentional and being being very targeted. But we want to talk today about maybe scare you a little bit or maybe motivate you into to tackling it. And that is that if you think working with sales and marketing has been challenging throughout your career, getting, you know, air quotes, alignment, uh, account-based integration initiatives like this are exceptionally harder. Are they worthwhile? Absolutely, when they work. But we just want to say up front, if you want to talk to that, Carlos, certainly weigh in, that you need a certain culture in your organization or it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to fail. If there is not a culture of integration and alignment between sales and marketing, let alone customer success, it's going to be really hard to make account-based go-to-market successful for you. Uh, I, I would agree with that 100%. I think if we're not, you know, as we have often said here internally and with our clients, this is a team sport or a team game. And you know, I see, as a matter of fact, research just came out today that said a third of organizations are planning to use ABM. And actually the, the, the subject line I saw was a third of marketers. And my first thought was, okay, well, what about their sales organizations? Mm -hmm. And if we are not careful as marketers, we will replicate the sins of the past where we design campaigns, we design this great go-to-market, 
we design all of these things and then quote, flip it over the fence to sales and sales looks at us like we're nuts and doesn't touch it. And then we get frustrated as to how come sales isn't engaging with us on these things. And so if we're not integrated with sales, and we talked about the the difference between integration and alignment, I believe on the last podcast, you're exactly right. We will fail. I don't think it's a, you may fail. It's you will fail. Mm-hmm. And, and sales is going to be quote on board. That's where I don't want to scare you off. It's like, Sales is all about, hey, look, if we can go after these target accounts together and win these together marketing, great. They're just not used to seeing marketing traditionally show up that way. Um, So I'd say the first place to look around whether marketing's able to change. And when I say change, it's not that you're going to stop doing what you're doing, most likely in terms of lead generation and kind of classic demand generation. And what I mean by classic demand generation, I mean doing outbound marketing and inbound marketing in a wide broad model. Um, you're not going to stop that. ABM is is an additional initiative for growing your business. And, and it can be focused at your install base or what we often call demand expansion initiatives uh, as part of the D3 methodology. Or you can use account-based as for generating net new. And of course, ideally for both. The famous philosopher, uh, Socrates, he had an expression about change, which I've often quoted, which was, the secret of change is to focus all your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. And when I've done some keynotes and talks, I've often pulled that up, Carlos, because there's a lot of old or muscle memory about how you go to market that is very difficult uh, to change. And so you kind of need to check the posture of the team around the table and see if they're leaning in or they kind of like, oh my God. Uh, and when, if you haven't listened to the podcast with Bruce Eidsvik on his ABM initiative, you're going to hear a leader that was really passionate about doing account base, and his team was fully on board. And that's why they had the success that they did. And uh, in the show notes of that episode, there's a link to his PowerPoint deck where he shares what they did and the results of that ABM initiative. So go grab that. Uh, Carlos, you guys uh, have a methodology. Um, that's what That's what strategy people do. Uh, for ABM, and it's one I know that you um, collaborated with uh, with with Sangram and the folks at Terminus uh, to develop. Can you can you take us through that? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so that the approach that we use is what we call the team methodology for target, engage, activate, and measure. I do want to highlight the fact that, as you said, it, we're not saying you have to abandon your lead based <clears throat> or individual based demand generation approach. However, you do have to get more refined in your targeting and get a specific set of target accounts that both marketing and sales agree, yes, these are accounts, which by nature means you're not going to go after as many of those accounts. You know, you may start ABM with 25 accounts. I've worked with clients where they say, we've got these 25 named accounts that we want to go after. Sales has identified them as high revenue targets. And this is who we're going after. You're not talking about this massive volume. And so understanding that target is of paramount importance. And then how are you going to engage them? How are you going to literally orchestrate with sales that engagement to target all of the individual stakeholders within that account who are part of that committee And as you mentioned, this is part of demand creation, demand management, as well as demand expansion. So you can utilize this 
by targeting and, and segmenting your top customers and understanding how you're going to engage them. And then how are you going to activate this? So the A in team, operationalize those systems and operationalize your process. I was just on the, a call earlier today where I was being asked this question by a prospect. You know, how do we operationalize this? How do we support from a lead management perspective, actually an account management perspective in these systems? And then lastly, how do we measure this? How are we going to make good on the promise of ABM? And we've seen so many uh, metrics and so much research about the promise of ABM. But if you can't measure that and actually report back to the organization how you're driving revenue from your ABM initiative and those ABM investments, you're going to be hard pressed to be able to continue that long term. Well said. Uh, Carlos mentioned the, the team framework. And like I said, we, we collaborated a bit with Terminus. Uh, and when I say a bit is we really liked the team acronym because account-based is such a team sport, right? It's extremely cross-functional. And so I love the acronym because it's just, it's, it like brands what this initiative is all about. But as he said, it, when you break it apart, it's target, engage, activate, and measure. And you said, you know, yeah, some people have a small number of targets. Bruce's actually, I think, a first ABM initiative was a single target account that they wanted to just practice the processes and the approach to see if that would work on one targeted account. Now, that, that wouldn't mean that their whole ABM initiative is a failure if they didn't win that customer, but it was so that they didn't go too wide and too broad and just more like, uh, you know, the reason a magnifying glass is so powerful when you hold it under the sun is it concentrates all the energy into one spot as opposed to like a spotlight. And that's what the intent was. Like, let's see what we can do here. I just pulled up as we're talking our Salesforce instance and I went to our account-based marketing dashboard and I pulled up the tier one accounts and there's 37 of them. So to your point, Carlos, it depends on the size of the company and your approach, but we have 37 tier one target accounts that we would love to have you as clients this year. And, and we're focused on you and we're reaching out to you. And some of them have a fair amount of engagement and some of them have no engagement. So we still have some work to do, but we've operationalized that inside the system. And so uh, after target comes engage, uh, so target is establishing the targets, the who you're going to go after, and it's about operationalizing that in a system. You've got to be able to look, as I did, in a piece of software, your CRM, and see who are the target accounts. Maybe you have one tier, maybe you have multiple tiers. But then how are you going to engage them? Are you going to do outreach by different team members? Are you going to do email? Are you going to do LinkedIn advertising or Google advertising? How targeted advertising are you going to be doing? Are you going to do any direct mail? So engage is creating and orchestrating multi-channel uh, initiatives with your targets, your new and existing customers, because you can use ABM uh, both for net new as well as the install base. Activate, as we said, is activation. It's, it's that word again, operationalizing the targeting and the engagement. Activation is operationalizing it within your systems and across sales. And I think it's that definition of activation, Carlos, is where we have a bit different between Terminus and, and us um, because their activation is really about activating sales. And we said, yeah, activate's the right word, but for us, it's about operationalizing your systems and your processes. Uh, and it's often more than just sales. It's right, it's sales marketing and often the services team. And the M, as you said, is measure, which is monitoring and reporting on success. 
with Bruce, just to talk about a little case study, I, I was involved with a collective that Bruce pulled together with his team and, and some other uh, consulting team members. And when we had the agenda that day on measure, what I offered up is, guys, let's start with the end in mind. Let's mock up what we want our ABM dashboards to look like and what we're measuring and start with the end in mind and then reverse engineer what we're going to need to collect and do and where we're going to present this uh, for reporting. So, for example, those 37 accounts that I said to you, would we want to see a number on a dashboard that says what percent of our accounts are engaged with us? And, of course, there might be a definition of what engagement actually means. So think of the dashboard of your car. Not a lot of information, I guess, unless you're driving a Tesla. You have a lot of information in that pad. But the traditional dashboard of a car, you got your speedometer, your odometer, your mileage, your gas, you got temperature and oil that maybe you do or don't look at unless a red light goes on. It's a very sophisticated device with only a few instruments that you need from a driving perspective. Planes have quite a bit more. Uh, and I always like to approach Carlos with the end in mind, because if you start off with what you're going to measure and report on, it's a hell of a lot easier than looking at like the sea of data of everything that you can report on every possible metric and thing. And then it's just, it's just meaningless to most people. So less is more when it comes to measurement. So that's the team framework that we bring forward to our clients and, and work with them through. And I'm certainly uh, encourage you guys to take a very structured approach like the team framework for um, working in, in your account base. Carlos, I want to ask you around engagement uh, and targeting, targeting something that you have deep, deep, deep expertise in, something you're very passionate about, personas and buyer journeys. How do some of those things in demand management, personas, buyer journeys, uh, all those uh, aspects, how do they relate, do you see, or not from an account base perspective? No, I think that's a great question. And one of the things that I've always said is much of the work that you have to do if you're going to do a one-to-many or what I've often called volume demand generation, you still have to do for ABM. So you can say, hey, we're going to go target these, let's say, 37 accounts. I still have to understand who within that account I have to target, their role as it relates to the purchase, what are the challenges and the, the purchase motivations that they have. Now I can message all those individuals as a holistic account, but if I don't understand all of that that journey, their again their buying motivations, their needs, their pain points, their roles as it relates to a purchase, then I'm just throwing stuff out there, and I'm I may be doing ABM from a exercise in terms of yeah I've targeted my accounts, but my engagement's really going to fall flat, and so I can I I think some of the to be quite honest, I think the the targeting is some of the easier work because if you want the fastest way to target, start by asking sales, what are the top accounts you want to go after and win? You don't have to go and spend hours and, and dollars and uh, a lot of time mining your database initially. Go to sales and say, who is it? What are the top accounts you want to go after? Then the hard work starts of saying, how are we going to engage with not only relevant, but contextual content? Who are we going to target? And then understanding the roles they play throughout that journey is so crucial. Because every time we talk to somebody, it's, oh, we got to get to the C-level. The, the chance, if you, especially if you're in the enterprise of a C-level coming to your website and downloading content is very small. 
So understand the roles they play. Now you can get really hyper-focused in that engagement within the ABM context. Well, let, let's have some fun, Carlos, because we like to have fun. Let's let's turn this podcast, at least for a few minutes, into a mock workshop. Let's take people through that process because then you guys will get a feel for what these what's needed to move mm-hmm. down the path of ABM. And so let's let's do a little targeting exercise uh, together. And you and I have done enough of these to know uh, know some of the key questions. So let's let's start. Carlos was just just doing it. So. Wherever you are, if you're riding your bike, don't close your eyes, but just pretend you're sitting in a conference table and we're leading a workshop for you guys. And you've got some representation from sales and marketing in the room. And we write up on the whiteboard this, what are the attributes of your ideal accounts? What are the attributes of your ideal accounts? Think about that broad question for a moment. And think about what you might tell us that we start writing on the board to talk about these targets. And if you guys were doing the workshop for a company like DemandGen, we may say they're a B2B company or B2C considered purchase. They're mid-market, enterprise size. They're in technology, financial services. Uh, They have a marketing automation system or want to get one. They have a CRM system. Uh, Think of those attributes that you would write up for your ideal accounts. They're going to be very different than the ones that I threw out, but that's part of the exercise. Carlos, you want to take, take the next one as, as our mock exercise? Yeah, I think uh, if, if we go from left to right, who are the key members of the buying committee? You know, I just referred to that is, you're probably going to have some C-level engagement eventually. Typically what we find, depending on the size of company, especially if you're going after a higher mid-market or enterprise, that C-level is involved at the beginning. That C-level is involved at the end. There's very little interaction in the middle of the journey. Um, but understanding the, the key members, their roles in that committee, are they heavy influencers? Uh, are they blockers, which I think so many people miss? We work with clients all the time, Dave, where we hear, hey, this person's influential in the fact that they can put a stop to the purchase. They're just as important as finding the decision maker and the budget holders. So understanding the key members and then how how do they relate to each other is also another key component of that. So that's when we then say within that target account, we now have the individuals that we need to engage throughout that journey. Yeah. So first one was, what are the attributes of your ideal account? And then Carl said, who are the key members of the buying committee? Really identify them by a role, maybe even title perspective. And then for both of those, the third question would be, what attributes would be needed in your database to identify and segment them? So it's basically the who and then how do you operationalize that? You know, what fields might you have to have in the database with particular values so that you can say, okay, I want to develop a list of target accounts and create a segment or a list of who that is. That's, that's what would be needed just from a targeting perspective. And if you guys, I mentioned Demand TV in the beginning of the episode, um, one of the series that I did was with the folks from Engageo. 
And I had, uh, there's three episodes, I believe. So if you've never seen a tool like Engageo, go watch those videos because it will give you at least some insights into how in your CRM you might, you know, operationalize these, this targeting and be tracking engagement. I'm not saying you have to use a platform like Engageo for it, but they are purpose-built for doing um, account-based marketing. So go watch those videos if you haven't done it. But that would be um, an exercise. And just think of the time and effort it would take to work with sales and marketing to establish those targets and then operationalize that. Is it climbing Mount Everest? No, but it's often conversations that have not taken place previously between sales and marketing. Uh, Carl, um, this question we get a lot is, who is the one ultimately responsible for coming up with a target account list? Um, you have an opinion on that? Um, you know, I, I think it should be driven by sales, but then created by marketing. 100%. Um, so I, th- I think, again, if, if we as marketers think we're going to go create our target account list and then bring that to sales and say, hey, this is who we're going to go after. If sales is looking at that and saying that's not even close to who we're going after, they're not even on our radar. And let's be honest, sales has been doing account-based selling or named account selling, whatever you want to call it, for, for years we are now playing catch up to them. Yeah. And I think if we can go to them and say, hey, we're a little late to the party, but we want to join in here. That, that's a valuable thing. So sales should create uh, or sales should identify. Marketing should generate it and create it by mining the data. And you may have to take the step first to say, we got to clean up our data before we can even pull this list in a way that we have any confidence in, in it. Agree, as I said, one Hundred percent. If you have a good sales team or at least good sales leadership, they are going to be way more effective and take a lot of the guesswork out of who the target accounts should be. They're not going to be right on every account. Some of you know, if they come and show up, hey, we want the Fortune One Hundred. Mm, you guys are going to have to work a little bit more because who doesn't want the Fortune One Hundred? You know, potentially. But we, these conversations, if they're led well by sell sales, really describe not only who the target accounts are, but why they are the target accounts, why those companies make sense for your product and services, probably because they're lookalikes. They look like companies that you have sold to before, so you'll have um, a success. Uh, let's talk about engagement. We'll hit, we'll hit each one of them, the T-E-A-N-M. Let's touch on engagement. Beginning of the episode, I mentioned a couple channels, uh, but Carlos, there's... Uh, there's a lot of different channels um, that you can use. And the, well, let's rattle some off. Events. <laughs> Start there because, well, we're not doing physical events right now. There's certainly a lot of virtual events, but events are extremely effective. High touch, high quality events uh, are extremely effective for account based marketing. It's one of the reasons that classically, Targets have been invited to sporting events. Uh, we hold ourselves a marketing leadership exchange, and we invite typically 10 to 15 uh, people to that and have a very intimate marketing leadership exchange. And Carlos, we are planning those. I know marketing is planning those right now for, I believe it's Q3, Q4, but we're doing them virtually, of course. But events are, are great. What's another common channel uh, for ABM? Let's let's try to uh, hit 10. I, I, I think display is obviously online. I think, um, you know, phone when it's appropriate using highly trained SDRs. What I I would say in terms of channels is 
you know, understand what channels, what the preference is of those key buyers in that account. Good point. What is good for one may not be good for another. What, mm-hmm. what one person will, I've seen, I've seen ABM programs absolutely crush it with direct mail mm-hmm. targeted to hard to reach executives. They've put a lot of money into it, followed by a phone call, followed by what you just talked about, that very tailored, highly focused event. So three channels and companies are absolutely crushing it. I, I, you know, 20 years ago, we, we did something like this with McAfee, where we utilized sales. We, again, we weren't calling it ABM back then, but it was all direct mail phone and sales interaction. And we closed huge amounts of revenue off of this. So, you know, there's, there's lots of channels from social media to search, to print, to mobile that we can use, but make sure you understand the preference of those key stakeholders in that account. Well said. Uh, yeah, lots of channels. And on that point that Carlos made and what I was saying earlier, tiers, if you're going to use direct mail and you have like 2,000 targets, think about how challenging that is to scale that from a cost perspective. Like you, I, I, we did some great direct mail throughout my career. We certainly did tons with our clients. I remember one specifically where we mailed a DVD player. This is in the 90s to these target accounts with a CD and videos that we made, it was like a $250 direct mail piece, probably 300 when you add everything in there, creative and stuff like that. My CEO said to me, he goes, we're going to mail a $300 or whatever the dollar amount was. He's like, are you crazy? And I said, I'm only crazy if it doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> and we did. And we mailed to about 20 different companies. So do the math on that. Not crazy, but we didn't mail to 100. But he was like, are you crazy? Because even the video production work. But when we converted, I think, 50% of them to clients, he was like, how do we do this at scale? I'm like, well, good question. And so we, 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 you know, some things just don't economically scale. And that's why you want to use certain channels uh, for certain things and, and um, test and, and don't repeat what, what fails. But uh, direct mail, print, mobile, social media, email, search, and, and that buying committee as Carlos said, you might reach, it's like social media may be effective for certain members of the buying committee and horrible for others. So there's no silver bullet in uh, marketing. Let's do another exercise since we're trying to make this a mock workshop. I like, I like the fun of that. Um, what questions would we write on the whiteboard, uh, Carlos? Not that anybody uses a whiteboard anymore, but you know, I guess there are still boards that we draw on. Um, if we were doing an engagement exercise, what would we ask the group? On the engagement? Yeah. Yeah. I would say what channels do your buyers prefer? Where do they go to find information? I remember our dear friend, Alex Schutman, uh, when he was at Elico, we used to call them the watering holes. What are the watering holes that our buyers, our target buyers are hanging out in? So if it's C-levels, it may be events. If it's director level in uh, IT, you may be online with white papers and demos and product sheets. So understand those channels. So that, that's my number one question when we talk to a client is, do you know the channel preference? Mm-hmm. What channels are you going to use to get your message to the right person at the right time with context? And then you know what would be part two of that, which is what types of content yes. would need to be created for these channels. Maybe you already have the content 
maybe you don't. Uh, and so what channels work and then what content works. Uh, let's go down to uh, activation and talk about some of the things there. I, I mentioned uh, Engageo. Uh, there are certainly lots of different account-based technologies and tools out there. And Carlos and I are happy to advise you. You want to go on this journey and learn what some of them are. Uh, but when it comes to activation, besides just all the work that you're going to need to do with the sales team, like developing call scripts for them and content streams and rolling out some email templates, some outreach uh, email templates for them and sales enablement tools, uh, you're you're probably going to deploy some technology. You're going to have to do things like account scoring. Maybe you know how to do lead scoring. And by the way, there's great videos on Demand Gen TV uh, on lead scoring that you can take a look. I haven't done videos yet on account scoring, but I'll make sure I add that to the mix. But if you're doing account-based marketing, you got to do account scoring. So you've got to activate it through account scoring. You've got to show that someplace. You've got to work with your sales team uh, and and track that. And um, Carlos, there's, a, there's an R word that you like to uh, mention when it comes to like this type of strategic initiative. What's What's the R word? It's always about revenue. It's driving back to revenue and making sure that we can actually uh, move the needle on that. I mean, all demand generation, right? We You started the episode with it, a perpetual revenue engine. And so much like ABM, that's what we're after. We're going after this targeted revenue that we can go and get and drive and make sure from a uh, organizational perspective, we are seen as a growth engine because of our integration with sales and because of the way that we're activating ABM or demand generation. Many of you, if you're really committed uh, to evolution and, and taking Socrates' advice on not fighting the old, uh, but embracing the new, uh, take that that revenue word and form a revenue operations team, either a department or a team. That's a combination, a blend of your marketing operations folks and your sales operations folks so that an initiative like this is is one team. Uh, Factoid, the name of the company, Demand Gen, comes from me rebranding a Friday meeting that I had with when I was at LMA. We had the sales and marketing Friday meeting. I called it the Demand Gen meeting uh, to not have such a separation between these two departments feeling often like silos. And so RevOps is, is an expansion of, of, on that concept of uniting. Let's wrap up with, uh, I'm going to do a little lightning round of just some metrics that you might see if you're doing account-based marketing. Feel free to add any that I, that I miss, Carlos. So one would be is, how many target accounts do you have? You know, somewhere on a dashboard, there's got to be a number. Let's say it's 541. There's 541 target accounts that uh, you have that you are going uh, after. What else might you have on your dashboard? How many open opportunities do you have? How many open opportunities within those target accounts? Maybe it's one, maybe it's 832. And how much pipeline does that represent? And you might look at pipeline in terms of the pipeline number, meaning not closed yet. And then you might have a number, which is how much have you booked? So of your target accounts, how many opportunities are closed ones? So not just open opportunities, but maybe you have a metric for closed one opportunities and how much revenue that is. Think about just those four metrics right there. How many accounts, how many opportunities you have, how many you have, uh, the pipeline number and the bookings number. So you can see there's like a, a, a unlimited number of uh, additional metrics. You might you might talk about within those named accounts how many contacts that represents 
uh, as well. So that's why I like to say start with the end in mind because there's no limit to the number of metrics uh, that you can add to an ABM dashboard and always less is more. Um, you might have, Carlos, write a, a percentage of, of the number of target accounts, what percent of them are engaged. Right. And having a term of what engagement means, does that mean just one person at an account opened an email, clicked an email, because you can track that stuff? Or is it uh, maybe engagement means you've at least gone to showing them a demo of your product? If they had a demo stage, then that's what engagement means. Whatever it means, you got to define it and have a shared vision between the team. Any other metrics, Carlos, you can think of that might be, I mean, there's tons, but that you might want to think about measuring if you're going to be successful with ABM. Notice we're not trying to say that there's a lot. Yeah, you know, I think it's really important to measure the improvements over time. So if you're new to ABM and you're, you've sold your organization, you've sold sales and the executive team that this is where you need to invest, benchmark it against where you were. So I think benchmarking is one of the most powerful ways where we can tell a story on the value creation we are getting from marketing's from the investment in marketing. And so just, it's not that difficult. Do a before and after and say, hey, when we, you know, and it's things like higher order value. Are we getting a higher order value because we're more targeted? Are we reaching more individuals within these targeted accounts through this process? Are we contributing more to pipeline? Are we closing deals faster? Pick three, four, I would say at the most five that you can benchmark and do a comparative analysis so you can continue to tell that story and say this is why we need to continue to invest in marketing, doing innovative, customer-centric things. Love it. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing dashboards in my head. Uh, you might want to have average deal cycle. Like how long did it take from whatever you consider your starting point until the deal winning? And, and are you good with that number in terms of average deal cycle days? What about the average contract value? One of the cool things about ABM is you'll typically see higher revenue per deal yeah. uh, when you when you do that. So tracking your average contract value in an ABM strategy versus non-targeted accounts. Uh, and then at the end of the day, right, things cost. So what's your cost per account acquired? What did it take for you? We mentioned events, right? If that event costs money, whether it's virtual or not, or you're sending direct mail, what was the cost of acquisition? And how do you feel about that as a percentage of revenue? So those are some ideas for you guys on this episode of Demand Gen Radio. That kind of rounds out demand management. Like we said, there were 10 key initiatives. Make sure you listen to the first part. Go back to that podcast. And of course, you've listened to this one now. And would love to have you guys be a member of the Demand Gen TV community. So don't forget to subscribe. And drop Carlos and I some comments. If you guys are learning something and enjoying the content, uh, click likes where there are things to click. But rather, I'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note. Um, I'd love it when you guys do that. I know, Carlos, you do as well. And it's just it's just good feedback loop because we want to make sure that we are delivering for you guys content that helps you in your career path and helps you drive more revenue and helps in your personal development. So thank you and thank you, Carlos. And hey, congrats, Carlos, on a, on a great month of all the, the teamwork that I've uh, been doing. It's been nice to see some new clients come aboard and, and start their journeys. And I look forward to having them on the podcast someday and telling, telling those stories. That's the plan. We'll definitely make that happen. Thanks, Dave. All right, that's going to do it, you guys. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, 
thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 